Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the ShuttlePod podcast. This is ShuttlePod episode number 88, and this week, in honor of the month of Spooktober, we are talking about <laughs> horror in Star Trek, the episodes that are focused on horror and sort of the legacy of horror themes in Trek. I'm here today with my good friends, Jared. Good evening, or morning, as it were, whenever you listen to this. Matt. Hi, everyone. And Brian. Hey, everybody. And as always, I'm Kayla Yacovino. All right, guys. So we all kind of came up with um, a handful of episodes that we want to focus on and talk about um, that are sort of horror episodes for Star Trek that'll make good, you know, a good um, um, Halloween watching experience. But we, before we dive into that, I thought maybe we could discuss some of the legacy of horror in Trek. Like, does Trek have a horror legacy? And like, who are the key players there? I think if we look at Star Trek's immediate antecedent in sci-fi, it would be the Twilight Zone, which has very strong horror elements. And I think mm -hmm. you can see a lot of that extant in original series episodes and themes. Uh, even, I mean, just how it started with the man trap is very much a horror -y story, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that humans have done something they shouldn't and here they're being punished by this, this alien creature. Having said that, I think the Berman era series are aren't really don't really have that strong of a, a horror uh, legacy to them. But I know maybe you guys feel differently. Yeah, like I'd say, you know, it's sort of in a from a high level. I think you're not wrong, but I think the, there is one Brandon Braga who came in and mm -hmm. started to become a prolific influence. Who I think you might want to we might want to reevaluate that statement with Braga involved. I think you can start to see the horror uh, sort of all throughout his, in, you know, his products, you know, his Trek work. Cause I mean, he's a huge, I mean, he's an admitted like horror fan. He loves all that stuff. And so you go through, you know, start with some of the later TNG episodes. I mean, you get Genesis is his, which is mm. you know the crazy devolving one. Um, schisms is under his watch. He didn't necessarily write it, but it's part of that era. Night terrors is also part of that, you know, era with the kind of classic, you know, group of like Moore and Braga and all those guys together writing. And, <clears throat> uh, Voyager has a little bit, we'll definitely talk about some of the, the fantastic, the thaw is really great, mm. which we, of course we'll get to. So it's not like it's without it, but I would say when Braga's more involved, I think you get you get more of it. For example, mm -hmm. you get more of it, I think, in Enterprise because he was, you know, like the showrunner directly of it for three years. And in, yep. especially I think there's some stuff in the third season where it gets let loose. <laughs> pretty, you know, pretty mm -hmm, hardcore, mm -hmm. and which we'll talk about. So it's there, and I think it might be there more than initially you would think, you know? I totally agree. Especially like I, I've whenever someone would mention, you know, horror in Star Trek, I would have a few episodes that would come to mind. But when we set out to record this podcast and started like listing these episodes, I was like, wow, there's actually a lot of these. And these episodes that we're naming are legitimate horror episodes. They're not mm -hmm. just like like a, a you know, play on a theme. They're they're really um well into the horror category, I would say. So I think it's kinda neat and it goes to show you that you know, Trek can accommodate so many different styles of storytelling mm. and still be Trek. Well, I think mm. that's one of the things we, we've loved about Trek is the fact that it can, right? So it's, it's a Western <laughs> one day. It's a 
whatever the next day kind of thing. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I also think with regards to horror, something that uh, lends itself to it really well is the presence of uh, a ship in a vacuum of space can turn into a haunted house real easily. Oh, mm-hmm. right. Because there's nowhere to go, right? Yep. Well, it's in space, no one can hear you scream. I have heard that. I have heard that. But but it's true. The inherent stillness of space can be creepy. I mean, two thousand one: right, A Space right. Odyssey is a very creepy film. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And there's no, it's not, and there's no horror in it, but there's it a lot of quiet spaces and it's yeah, exactly. It's it's too quiet, you know, a lot of the time there. Yeah, I it's mean, a it's a creepy ass movie. Two thousand one. What what is the scariest thing other than having to be alone with your thoughts? <laughs> totally. Mm. <laughs> and now deep so, thoughts. We... <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> deep thoughts by Kelly Agavino. Should we um, dive into some of these episodes and talk about them? Yes, yes. by all means. Let's. Um, well, I guess it makes sense just to go in sort of chronological order. So why don't we start with TOS? Mm-hmm. Yep. The one, the the one episode of Star Trek that is clearly <laughs> made for All Hallows Eve. Yeah, like <laughs> obviously themed. Yeah, for that. Yeah, it's a very you know it's a very silly episode. It's very clearly targeted toward you know kids and kind of a just a very easygoing Halloween vibe. I'm assuming here we're talking about Cat's Paw. Cat's yes, Paw, yeah, sorry. I, yeah, I, I probably should say what the name of the episode is. <laughs> but it's a cute little episode. It's it's silly, but, you know, it's a, it's, it's a passable 50 minutes of your time. Exactly. You got the you got the black cat, you got the witch vibes, the you witches, got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the, the bones pun. That's that's my mm-hmm. favorite part yeah, of Cat's Paw. Yeah, the bones pun is great. Yep, yep. the... Uh, the Enterprise being put under flames, so there's like a, a witchcraft thing going on. Like a yeah. voodoo. Yeah. Let's yeah. so, yeah, not forget also, there's a dungeon. <laughs> there's a dungeon with skeletons in it. With skeletons, yeah. Um, there are zombies in the episode. Oh, yeah, that's right, there are. You know, everybody except for Kirk and Spock turn into zombies. <laughs> of course, because it can't be Kirk and Spock. so i don't know you know it's it's not an episode i actually go looking for on a regular basis but you know it's even got those those i guess they're called furies that you see at the beginning when they first beam down and Mm. they're all speaking in that kind of voice (laughs) (laughs) like ebenezer scrooge yeah they kind of yeah it's like yeah it's uh jacob marley yeah it's kind of you know they, they, they don't they're not subtle about it this is an episode that I put in the category with TOS episodes of more memorable than necessarily good, right? Yes, I would agree oh, with well that. Said. I would agree oh, with yeah. that. Oh, yeah. And I think if Universal had gotten this rights to Cat Spa and rolled it into its terrible Dark Universe franchise idea, maybe <laughs> it would have taken off the ground. <laughs> who knows what we would have today who knows it would knows? it would be 21 movies in the last three years have you seen cat's paw 72 <laughs> <laughs> the cat's paw cinematic universe <laughs> and of course the voice of the cat would have to be uh, uh samuel l jackson there oh, you go yeah. oh of course 
But I thought I it was like... fun. You know, it's funny for a, a Star Trek series, like especially the, the original series. Gene was not much for too many lighthearted kind of episodes. Like a lot of the lighthearted stuff is more Gene Coon and not Gene mm. Roddenberry. So it's mm-hmm. kind of surprising that he actually let this episode get produced because it is unabashedly yeah. just a silly little episode. Yeah, one yeah, does it's wonder. Like, yeah, it's not trying to be any kind of. It's not trying to teach any lessons or anything else. It's just a Halloween show. Although it does have a cool thing in the sense that at the end you find out that these aliens are about four inches tall. Yeah, and very (laughs) weird looking. And very weird looking. Now granted, they are uh, artifacts of late 1960s uh, (laughs) effects. but uh, They don't look amazing. But you know no. what's weird is I'm looking at a still photo of one of them on Memory Alpha from that, and they're not as bad as I remember. Uh, I mean, they're bad, but they're not as bad as I remember. And there's some <laughs> like, there's some kind of intriguing things, features about them that are a little bit like, they're like kind of fuzzy crustaceany things. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. There's an interesting look to them. And obviously, there's they were... also they also kind of have like a Cthulhu vibe. They have like tentacles yes, on their face. They do. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. It's actually kind of impressive. So it is a little but shocked. You could, actually, you could see the mm. strings, and you know, oh you yeah, can, you know. I mean, it's you know, yeah, <laughs> they did what they could. But the idea <laughs> that 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 these people that were manipulating all this energy and could do all these things were literally three or four inches tall, maybe. Yeah, and completely and utterly alien in every way. That was a cool little bit at the end. You know. Yeah, I agree. It, it made it at least actually sci-fi. You know what I mean? Yep. Like not just yeah, it did. It did. Hokey uh, horror, you know, takeoff or something. Yep. Camp horror. And I believe that that the uh, the Lucite block that the Enterprise is encased in, I believe that's in the Smithsonian. Now. Oh, really? It's, it's in part of the collection. Yeah, that they that's have. Yeah, cool. I think you're right about that. I you think know, so. I yeah. And I think the other one of the just a ship, the one that was she was dangling over the flame to make it hot. I think that was available to be sold and was sold for some outrageous sum of money several years back. Yeah, I would believe that. This is a Christie's auction thing. Yeah, it might have been. I don't remember exactly when it was. It could have been a long, longer ago than that, but it was. I think it was a pretty sizable sum. I mean, screen used. You know, it's in an episode. You can clearly see it. So it's. Yeah. Anyway, Memor- that was Star Trek. Also- what? Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just going to interject. Uh, apparently, this is also Walter Koenig's first episode, so that's that's important. Oh yeah, and poor Walter had to wear that awful, awful, awful. Yeah. this wig wig for I mean, what uh, about ten episodes or something before they. No, I don't think it was that long. But like five, the one he's wearing, yeah, like the that. one he's wearing in this episode makes his head twice this normal size. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm not kidding. It's, it's not good. I'm looking at it. Yeah, no. He continues like, to wear a wig for a little while, but a I mean, little while until his hair grew out. Yeah. He, apparently, he had very short hair when he was cast. Oh, that's right. And they got to get him into the Beatles look. So you yeah, know. the Beatles yeah. slash monkeys thing. Monkeys, so, yeah. monkeys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but they really over. It's like so absurd. Like I am amazed the actors could look at him and not crack up. <laughs> they probably just told them like, "Oh, it'll look fine on camera. Don't worry about it." Yeah, <laughs> don't worry, kid. It'll be fine. <laughs> Trust us. It's our job to make you look good. That's what they always tell you. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was, I mean, I was, as Jared alluded to, there are other horror 
shows in the original series, but that one's the only one that's like unabashedly geared toward like Halloween specifically. Toward Halloween. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that one's more it's it's almost like less of a horror. It's cuz it's not really a horror story. It's like a Halloween story, wouldn't you say? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 But it's worth I, I would describe it as more fantasy than horror necessarily. Yeah. Oh, sure. for sure. Cuz there's nothing like particularly actually scary about it. Right. No. <laughs> Super no, lighthearted. No. Unless you're scared of like a giant black cat or something. Right. <laughs> That's that's clearly clearly matted in from clearly. you know special yeah it's, from, yeah, yeah it's a... <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best no but for that time that's about what, that's what they would do oh, on yeah, any no, show it was, really it was that was part of the it. course yeah. yeah it was yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, if I remember right they fixed that up quite a bit when they remastered it they well there's the a lot of things that up. they they added the whole castle is completely redone oh well that's so much better it's yeah, so yeah. much better. So we only have a couple of episodes actually on our list from TOS, even though, as we mentioned, there are a number of examples we could bring up. But I think it's interesting the two we listed. So the first, obviously, Cat's Paw. And the second, in some ways, is sort of the polar opposite of that, uh, Wolf in the Fold. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I rewatched so the, the, this yesterday. It's been a long time since I'd seen it. I'm glad. I can't remember who mentioned it, but I'm glad they did. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think for having not seen it in quite a while? You know, I've never been one of these people who is fascinated by Jack the Ripper. Like, mm. I don't know why he is in people's the um, collective conscience or conscious, whatever the term is, so much. Uh, so some people just glom onto that as like it was just this coolest oddity of time. I, I thought the whole idea of like trying to tie into Jack the Ripper was a little dorky. But there's a Babylon 5 episode where they do it, which is even dorkier. So it stands up better than that one. <laughs> there you go. I guess because but, and we when we were talking about this the other day after after we stopped recording, the funniest part of that episode is that Jack the Ripper is played by Piglet, which yep, yeah, was That's great. The part. A great instance of uh, casting against type, I guess. Yep. Yeah, he's really good. Um, I think the appeal of Jack the Ripper is like, first of all, the killings were absolutely brutal. And second, mm. nobody ever found out who Jack the Ripper was. Yeah, and there are still yeah, people yeah. that there's, yeah. there's still a, like a cottage industry out there. People trying to figure out who actually was Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Right. It's bonkers. Yeah. I'm actually surprised they didn't. Cause there's such a, and I, cause he was, would have been a contemporary of Sherlock Holmes. There's this idea like, well, if Holmes had been real, he could have cut Jack the Ripper. So maybe what they needed for Wolf in the Fold was for Data to come back in his Sherlock Holmes costume, and then he could yeah. have sniffed things out <laughs> talk, a little faster. Talk about the ultimate like fan service mashup crossover. Wouldn't I was it just be? thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't it be? <laughs> working a little Holmes, working a little Data, working a little TOS. You, you and know? you could you could work Scotty in there because we know that he's alive in the twenty fourth century. Yes, oh, you know, that's right. Well, when Data. When Data needed help, he could have called future Scotty for advice. That's true. Exactly. But I would pay cash money to see Brent Spiner mugging it up as, as Sherlock Holmes in Wolf in the Fold. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> he just like all of a sudden randomly shows up, pipe in hand. <laughs> I mean, Brent Spiner's in every other incarnation of Star Trek. Why not TOS as well? That's true. Yeah. It's the only one he hasn't been in. I don't think. Oh, that's not true. Actually. But. But, but I mean, almost, it, you know, almost, nowadays yeah. it just seems like every time you turn around, it's a new character played by Brent Spiner. Mm, if anyone, yep. you know, anyone who's seen Star Trek Picard, 
Like, well, yeah, I mean, really, Enterprise started that. And then, yeah. you know, people can't leave it alone from there, you know? Yep. Or I guess you could say it went all the way back to TNG, where he played multiple people. Oh, that's true. I guess, yep. really, yeah. You know, da- you know, Data, Lore, and then... Um, Dr. Sung. Sung mm-hmm. as well, yeah. Well, but, maybe this is a good segue into or into TNG episodes. Yes, we really well, we really didn't say much about Wolf in the Fall. Yeah. What thoughts do you have about it, Brian? Uh, it is definitely one of the creepier episodes of the series, especially at the beginning, and when, when Scotty is describing the murder and and the feeling that, that the as the entity passed that through, was it like, cold or like a stinking draft out of a slaughterhouse, like yeah. like, mm. like there's there's creepy moments to the episode. There's no doubt about it. I I always thought the premise. I know you you think Jack the Ripper's hokey, Jared, but I always thought the the notion that that there's like an evil entity that is on this planet that is quote unquote the evil that men do. And then when we started to move out of the space, it came with us. I thought that, I think that's a very fascinating notion. I mean, mm-hmm. it's very, it's very mythological and it's not grounded in any kind of reality, yeah. obviously, but yeah. it's an interesting idea. Also another Robert Block episode, yes. by the way, did both of these, that we just discussed, Cat's Paw and Wolf in the Fold, and What Are Little Girls Made Of, which is also a very creepy episode for yep. in its own way, are all Robert Block, who, of course, is mostly a horror writer, because hmm. he's known he's known for Psycho. Yep, he wrote Psycho. Oh, yeah, most famously. And he's also, I, I didn't really think about it, but I'm just reading quickly like his bio, he's also sort of a, a friend and sort of uh, of uh, Lovecraft and actually wrote some stories set in the sort of Lovecraft universe. Really? And so when you think about it, this all sort of starts to make sense that mm. he's working some stuff in here. Like to go back to Cat's Paw, they mentioned that their masters, like they, that they the are actually ones. like, are the old ones, which is yes. very, oh, wow. like, which is very, which is, very lo- which is, yes, is very Lovecraft. Yeah. And, it's also, and yeah. it's also mentioned in where little girls made it. And it's also mentioned where little girl, right. Exactly. So, there's there's these weird you know kind of currents of almost Lovecraftian stuff lurking <laughs> yep. in the background of these three episodes really it's kind of like oh so anyway an interesting kind of creepy little thing which i agree is even made stranger and creepier and laughable in certain ways by having piglet in it <laughs> <laughs> it is yeah it's extra bizarre john fiedler yeah, I, I, th- like, yeah. I think that was like a misdirect because there's the other guy who's like got the the goatee and and he's bald and and he's got like the the big cloak uh where I think he, the audience was originally meant to think he might be the bad guy cuz he looks kind of like an evil wizard or kind of satanic or whatever so maybe that's what they were doing is like no one will suspect this this little guy who sounds like a sweet cartoon character but I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's as good a guess as any. Yeah, why not? Yeah, the beginning of the episode is not so hot. The reasons for being there are not so great. So it's like Scotty got hit on the head, like he bammed into a bulkhead, like the same week he got his heart broken. That that's what happened to him. No, it's even it's even worse. Apparently, whatever it is, and they won't even say whatever strange like thing that caused injury to him was due to a female crew member's like error or mistake oh so like like a lady officer like slammed 
a, a bulkhead closed on him when he was sticking his head up at Jeffrey's tube or something. Yeah, or something like that. Like, like, and so therefore he now hates all women, and the cure for that is to then go to a hedonistic planet where people are oh, really good free, and he somehow that's going to rehabilitate him because you know the ladies are hot and free on this planet or whatever. And it's like and- what. And and this isn't just Kirk's advice as his friend. This is Doctor McCoy's professional medical opinion. Yeah, it's their professional oh, advice. Good it's heavens! Like, oh, good lord! Good like, <laughs> that's terrible. Couldn't they come up with a better motivation for you having? You really him think? I don't know why to, they to, really should have. I mean, I, I get that they wanted to put him under immediate suspicion, but that's such a bizarre way of doing it. It's very see, bizarre. See and. And the thing that's good about that is the idea if he's, like, had a head injury, then maybe he can't trust his own memory, right? So that creates well, a little bit of the ambiguity. Good. That part's good. Yeah, this yeah. This weird, like, all women are terrible. Why are they, like, you know, <laughs> right. on the starship? They are they're they don't really belong on a starship because <laughs> it was, of course, a lady that caused the problem uh. is the implication there. And it's terrible. Well, tell like, me again the name of the man who wrote the episode. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's that that be, that whole thing is re- really frustrating and like ridiculous. Honestly. Yeah, they, like, there are other ways to come up with a motivation for him oh, of to be under suspicion. Yeah, that Absolutely. was always bizarre. It never made even as a kid. I'm like, would that really Doesn't happen? Make sense. Why would you? Yeah, yeah why? Yeah, <laughs> it, especially since Scotty could have just been drunk. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many other things to make it a reason that he would have a head injury. So then he's sort of suspect, et cetera, et cetera. It doesn't have to be specifically because. He already hates the women temporarily, so of course he's going to go stab a woman. What? Temporarily. So if we ignore that, basically if you get out of like the teaser and kind of like parts of Act 1 and it gets onto the more like serious stuff where they start to realize there's something real (laughs) stalking them, you know, like then it gets interesting. (laughs) Yep. Okay, except I do like that image at the very beginning of the like the belly dancer lady with her head and like the symbols on her hand. And I think they use that. Do you remember like 10 years ago, there was that Star Trek mashup where someone set images from the original series over Kesha's song TikTok? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think they used that image <laughs> yeah, of her from that. So, so right. that so. partially redeems it because that is a spectacular <laughs> video. There you go. Yeah. It is Thank one you. of my all-time favorite fan mashup music videos, I have to admit. Redeemed by the meme. Yeah. Well, anyway, as we know, TOS has so many kind of, so we don't need to dwell on the original series. But I would say that the I think the two we picked are really good episodes. Like, I think a, 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 a watching those two movies two um episodes on say halloween night or something would oh, make yeah, like, for perfect. a really great night just want to throw oh, yeah, that, that is a very good way mm. of putting it yep definitely so these were maybe like specifically halloween focused and now with the, the 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 other episodes on our list in the future are, are more even sort of horror focused yes i would agree with that well why don't we start uh, we'll just go down the line let's hit tng next there's a few that yeah. we have on the list here okay. and again just stressing that this is not an all-inclusive list Hardly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, well, why don't we start with perhaps the most Halloweeny, in my opinion, of the three mm-hmm. that we have, which is Genesis. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you yeah. guys just rewatched this, didn't you? Yeah, recently. That's right. Yep. So this is for people who don't remember the one where Barclay turns into a spider. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> so people start. Um, Beverly injects some like T cell, artificial T cell into Barclay, and that ends up causing blah 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 mutations in the whole crew. And then everyone starts like de-evolving, which yeah. never made sense because no. why would Barclay de-evolve into an arachnid? But whatever. <laughs> well, they, um, they all should explain have... that. They do try to explain that. Oh, do they? They don't yeah. explain why some people are arachnids and some people are like because yeah, it's, it's do. randomly stimulating old pieces of genetic code. And yeah, you know, that's... like how most of we're like ninety percent the same DNA as most things on Earth. So, so why isn't anyone like a banana? <laughs> Well, banana's not like an animal. Come on. But we share like ninety plus percent of our DNA. I know DNA somebody should have been like an earthworm. Somebody should have been. A, yeah, I know. Someone that. should have been a banana. Yeah, yeah. Um, Picard. That's that's would... for the Orville to have. Out of it. They no longer fear the banana. Everyone's know. turning into fruits. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd watch that episode. It'd be funny. Anyway, <laughs> that's something else. Yeah, Picard was going to turn into some kind of a lemur. Oh, and lemur, the, yeah. The funniest, like, because this episode is super weird. Like, it's not, I wouldn't even, I'd hesitate to put it in the good category because it's so weird and wacky. It's fun, but it's not good. Let's it's say. fun. It feels yeah. very much like, wow, this is season seven. They all know each other very well. They're getting a little wacky. <laughs> yeah. and trying, trying some weird stuff, experimenting. Okay, but I do love at the very end how Barkley says, so this is all my fault, right? I just love that that's like the last little thing where that's his takeaway is that he accidentally doomed his whole crew to well, turn into monsters. Which is so sad because it's 100% Beverly's fault. Yeah, it is. She, 100%. She sort of, I guess, without thinking about or like checking it somehow, just yeah. let it loose. Yeah. Like, like she's a doctor. She should have known this could happen. Mm. I like the and episode I, myself. Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. I it's fun. It. Yeah, it's really fun. It's a haunted house. That's what it is. Yeah. Exactly. And there's a good there is a really good jump scare when Barkley appears. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's when you so see great. him for the first time as a spider. Smacked against the like partition. And, and not mm-hmm. being able to completely see what Worf looked like devolved. Oh yeah. It's kind of scary too. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, considering he's a hulking beast and like spits acid. Yeah. Yeah, and like not... bones protruding everywhere and you know. Yeah. Yeah, he's the coolest looking. So something that's weird, though, thematically from a horror standpoint is usually with, uh, you know, to go back to our Save the Cat conversation we had on Tuesday after we stopped recording. Usually in a horror movie, there's some sort of like sin that someone has committed. And the reason you're trapped is like you're being punished because of the sin. Right. Oh, yeah. Like it may be greed or or like what's uh, a, a scream deconstructed. It's usually like to teach teenagers not to have sex. The girl, oh, yeah. the, vir- the virgin is the one who survives or whatever. And there's no like sin, right? It's not like there was some scientist who was trying to play God or whatever. And this got uh, uh, let loose on the crew. It was just kind of a weird mistake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. So thematically in that way, I, in my opinion, it's a little bit off. But if but it's still fun. Maybe yeah, the I moral think... is if you're a doctor, you should pay attention to what you're injecting your patients with. Yeah, like and you a, shouldn't yeah, yeah. blow off your patients who use W who use a WebMD, right? Because yeah, yeah poor Berkeley is coming in there. I was looking it up in the Federation Medical Database, or whatever. It's like, stop it, stop looking. She's like, told you to stay away from that. Yes. How, yeah. how 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 dare you take interest in your own health? Well, but you know, we all know Berkeley's like overly anxious, so of course yeah. he's got you know the wrong idea. Um. But yeah, I mean, technically, she used like a, a GMO, right? She used like a genetically modified kind of thing to like stimulate his T cell and like 
Maybe we got to be careful about what you just start genetically modifying. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Nah. But uh, I think. CRISPR gone wild. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, yeah. Hey, Kayla, I think you nailed it when you said this is more Halloween y in the sense that it's like, it's almost like people, they got to dress up, right? They got to mm-hmm. get into crazy costumes and stuff. But maybe it's not so much horror, but like fun haunted house Halloween. Like fun. Yeah. Yep. So. Because there is, like true. I said, there's that jump scare with Barclay, but other than that, yeah. it's not it's not creepy horror. Fishy Troy is weird, but not Fishy but not Troy is weird. Scary. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that's some fine. that's some body horror stuff there. Oh, it is kind sure. of yeah. I mean, yeah. she starts to grow gills. I mean, the mo- one of the mo- more horrific things though is Worf biting her. It's actually pretty mm-hmm. freaky. Mm-hmm. Just comes up to her, like drags her out of the bathtub and bites her face. You know, it's like, oh geez, what? God, it- Worf. Control it's yourself. worth it's worth watching just for the makeup alone. Oh yeah, they did it's such a good job. Yeah, incredible, phenomenal work. And and as we found out, they were robbed at the Emmys. They were nominated for this and then didn't get it, which is crazy. Who got it? Do you remember? It's probably uh, Babylon Five. Right? It's probably yeah, Babylon Five, which we we're a little surprised by because B Five has good makeup, but this was amazing. Yeah, yeah. This was I mean, even just the spider monster, and that was just one right. thing they did. Yeah, yeah. And, and then, you know, times three or so, like, a really good stuff. So, yeah, it's it's fun. And uh, we were watching it the other day, and I, and I hadn't noticed something. For how many times have I seen this episode? And I hadn't noticed it, but um, the uh, Nurse Ogawa, as we know, sort of turns into, like, a, you know, kind of a proto-hominid of yeah, some sort. Yeah, proto-human, yeah. Yeah, and so she's over there kind of apey. And actually, as she walks out of the uh, out of the observation lounge, she starts to put her knuckles on things. And I had noticed that in mm-hmm. all the years, I had not caught that. Oh, very it's so nice. Great. It's a cool it's detail. So great. Yeah. Because, you know, she hasn't totally devolved or anything, but she's just sort of feeling that way. She's starting to feel it, you know, and <laughs> she starts to knuckle on, you know, on the across the table as she walks out. And it's just like, uh, uh. Very good, very and good. Freaks, likewise, at the beginning of his transformation is pretty hilarious because he does that kind of thing too, but he's also just like distracted. Yeah. Distracted Riker is so funny. Yeah. Because he's like, Jordy comes in and suggests he do like a security sweep or something. I don't remember what it is. And he looks at him. He's like, so uh, you'll take care of that security <laughs> thing? <laughs> Jordy's like, uh, yes, sir. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> Rough, rough night there, huh? Like, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then everyone was fine. Yeah, miraculously. And again, it's one of those things that somehow they can make airborne, you know, and then it's all fine. Like, yeah, exactly. They release it in the yeah. air. And, <laughs> it always just releases it. So that the whole ship is revived at once. Right. Which is unnecessary because they could just be like, well, we'll inject people one at a time and then like time passes and then you wrap up the show. I don't know right. why they always have to do that airborne thing. Well, you know, it's funny too because they do the one of the t- every once in a while they do the one of the time thing. They actually some like uh, believe it or not, I was trying to think what is it the the an otherwise terrible episode. You know, the naked um, now they do that. They walk around with a hypo spray inoculating people like mm. a group at a time. It's kind of crazy. It's mm. like, yeah, no, no, you know, instant aerosol release. <laughs> like, can they do that with COVID vaccine? Can they just yeah. put it into the, the municipal HVAC system? <laughs> just cure us all at once? Well, 
I don't think you're supposed to think too much about this episode. In terms no, of you're it. definitely not. <laughs> it's logic. No. You're supposed to just have fun with it. <laughs> but yeah. it is funny because for as much as you're not supposed to think about it, there's also some kudos in them attempting to kind of use what was cutting edge genetics mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. at the time about the mm-hmm. T cells and about the uh, holdover DNA from, you know, millennia ago and all that kind of stuff. That's like, that's like real science so mm-hmm. i mean yep. they went a crazy place with it but it has this <laughs> it has this germ of reality you know in it and it's like yep. okay that's cool it's like their uh, jurassic park right yeah exactly. yeah there you There's go a germ of reality in there somewhere well anything else on uh, on this episode nah i well, think, I think we're good on genesis yeah okay. it's pretty right. it's just a fun one Let's talk about Frame of Mind. I just finished watching this oh, right before Frame of we started mind. Yeah. recording. And now, this the, is more like a psychological horror, you know? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Straight up Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, there's, there's an episode of Seinfeld where Seinfeld says, it's the Bizarro episode, where he says, this is like that episode of, of Twilight, Twilight Zone where he's normal and everyone else is crazy. And George yep. says, which one? And he says, ah, they were all like that. They're all like that. <laughs> <laughs> No surprise, Frame of Mind is written by Brandon Braga. This goes back to my point at the top of the show about Braga bringing this element in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very creepy episode. It is. It's very unsettling because you just, I think maybe there is something wrong with Riker like, yep. Yep. eventually. You, you become know? like Riker to the point where you really don't know who to trust. Like when Picard and Worf and Deanna show up in the cell. Mm. Yes. Yes. You don't know. Is that really them trying to intervene and save him? Or is that in his head? Like, what are we looking at? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's good. I mean, it, it, it kind of, tr- it does a fairly effective job of putting you in his head. It does. Yeah. yeah I mean, it... in that shattering. Oh, that's beautiful. Talking. Yep. That was cutting edge. It that was. was cutting edge at the time. It Man, was. That's great. It's still great. They did a yeah. great job remaking it mm-hmm. when they remastered it. It's great. I also, it's unusual for a sixth season episode that the music is so distinct. Because the music definitely underscores the creepy factor. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Well, they had to commit, they had to do something a little different with that one. You can't, you can't underplay that stuff. <laughs> the way yeah. most of TNG is underplayed. You're saying, you're saying Sonic Wallpaper wouldn't have worked, huh? No. Uh, it no. would not have helped. <laughs> no, <laughs> not but not have, yeah. But yeah, it's a, it, it's probably one of Frakes' best performances. He's oh yeah, it's, it's a it's, definite it's tour also, de force. It's also very distinct as a Riker episode because most Riker episodes are about either a his career or b the ladies. True. Yeah, it's very true. So yeah, to do this yeah. thing that's so different was uh, uh, a gift to to Jonathan Frakes. Yeah, well, it robs a that. very confident character of his confidence completely. Ah, early. good way to like, put it. Yeah. He is completely. Ah, very true. He yeah. is completely shattered at the, at, you know, right before he finally is revived, he is done. Yeah, <laughs> they have mm-hmm. completely oh, yeah. broke. They have completely broken him down. Oh yeah, and like at the very end, when since his mind has been mixing in pieces of like the play that he was practicing for, mm-hmm. when he want when he tears down that set, like you are with him, like yep. you want like it's visceral, like yeah, you want to go tear that set down because it looks like the crazy ward that you thought you were in this whole time, like. Yep. Get rid of it. Tear yep. it down, you know? I also think it was a good innovation for Beverly's character to have her, 
like be a theater director for the yeah. crew. Yeah, that was funny. I, I, you know, the whole dancing doctor thing is great, but um, <laughs> you could do a lot more with a play than you can with dancing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the whole dancing doctor thing. <laughs> oh, sorry. Was that dismissive? No, not at all. I got a kick out of that. Dancing oh, sorry. Doctor. I just got the visions of dancing doctors. That's all. No, I just what well, now I just think of Data's Day when yeah when they do, do the tap yeah. dance yeah. when they do the tap yeah. dancing. No, I thought it was yeah. great. I didn't mean okay. anything was dismissive at all. I thought it was funny because okay. I uh, I don't I, mean, I don't mean to be unkind to her in any way. She was the she was a choreographer for Jib Henson on the movie Labyrinth. She was. Yep, that's you know, her big claim to fame pre Trek. I would pre Trek. And, yeah. and, and as yeah. you can, as as you saw in Data's Day, she's a hell of a tap dancer. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. But anyway, a great episode of the of the show. Yes. And yeah. Th- this is this I would put in the category of good episodes. Great. Episodes. Oh yeah. 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 One of one fantastic of, acting of the yeah. whole thing. One yeah. of Braga's classic high concept episodes. Yes. Yes. Well, I guess uh, the other TNG episode we want to talk about was Night Terrors. Oh yes. man. Creepy, creepy episode. Yep. Yeah, it, it even starts off very explicitly haunted housey, where they beam over to the ship where everybody's been killed, right? Yeah. So right from the start, there's some very disturbing imagery. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. Yeah, the Bretagne. Yeah. When when Beverly is in in that room with all the cadavers. Oh God. And yeah. they all sit up. And they freaking sit up. That they, gets me every time. Every time. <laughs> yeah. I love that scene because not only is it just great and creepy, but I love the way that that they play Beverly's character yeah. in that moment. Yeah, because she like you know you guys know I love Beverly like she's such a role model to me because she's mm-hmm. like you know she's a mom and she's feminine and she's a doctor and she's a scientist and she's logical and I love in this moment where she's in there by herself and all these these cadavers sit up. And she closes her eyes and they're saying, like, it's not real. I know this isn't real. She's, like, logicking her way through it yeah, you know, to, yep. to, to get past it. And she does because yes. she's a badass. I remember when we, this episode first aired, my dad commented on how much he liked that scene, too. It's a great, great scene. <laughs> yeah. And and for anyone who still doesn't know which episode we're talking about, if you haven't seen it in a while, it's the episode I like to call Troy on a Wire. <laughs> that's the part that's not quite so hot. Yeah. Well, it's very dated now, but like, the wire work isn't great. But yeah, Troy floating in the abyss, yelling, "Where are you? <laughs> yeah, I can't find you." They, yeah, they they maybe should have called Richard Donner to have him come advise them, helping uh, with the fly wire work. <laughs> dynamic <laughs> flying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is another episode that produced a lot of catchy one-liners. So eyes in the dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> one moon circles. The thing I like about that is it's like the exact right amount of science to try to teach in Star Trek. Because, like, the nature of, of a hydrogen atom, we know that. It's pretty straightforward. We got it. We don't need mm-hmm. to worry about getting into anything where it was, a real scientist might look at it and say, oh, that's crazy. What are you doing? Yep. Right. right. It's, right. it's not like trying to stop a volcano using, quote, cold fusion, unquote. <laughs> Kayla, is that how volcanoes work? Is that how cold Definitely. fusion works? Definitely. Definitely. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
But I also, it's a good point, Jared, because it also lends itself to the idea of like, how do you communicate with a species that either you, you only have very simple communication, lines of communication with them, or they don't have language as we know it. You know, you sure. use very simple concepts. So, you know, when we like sent the, the, you know, the golden record on the Voyager probe out into space, like a lot of people took time to think about how do we write a simple message on it? So we like put the anatomy of humans, right. we drew um, the locations of various pulsars um, in that could then be used to pinpoint where earth was and all these yeah. different things. And there's other ways, you know, like tapping out prime numbers, things like that. And yeah. like the, the, um, the anatomy, if you will, of a hydrogen atom is such a basic sure. fundamental scientific concept that it's, it's right up there with your prime numbers. You know, another species would recognize that. Yeah. Right. It's the mm -hmm. first element on the periodic table. Exactly. And it's the most abundant in the universe. As right. we know oh, it. There we go. Yep. So yeah, this is a great episode. It's I think also extremely memorable. At least it is for me. I've like this is one of the episodes that stuck with me for since I was a kid first having seen it. I just I love this episode. I also think it's a good use of Deanna's empathy because one of the problems with that is like her being able to read someone's mind can kind of take the wind out of the sails for a plot. Yes. Right? Like like there's that second season episode Manhunt where uh, Luoxana is running around doing all this crazy stuff, and at the very end, she says, "Oh yeah, by the way, those two guys are assassins. You need to send them to jail." Right? Yep. That's great, though. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it for that episode, right? Because they're going through this whole this whole uh, adventure, thinking, "Oh, that Luoxana, she's such a nuisance." And then she's like, "No, I just saved everyone yep. without <laughs> You're even trying." Them. Right? So, but they can't have someone on the crew who can do that all the time, and right. so sure. this yeah. little challenge is a good way. To have a, a Deanna centric story that uses her empathy well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well said. Well, do we want to go to uh, Deep Space Nine next or Voyager? Uh, DS9, I think, is the next one down the line in the timeline. Yep. Okay, let's do it. Okay, so did with the episode, I guess the only episode we want to talk about was Empok Nor. Did any of you guys get a chance to rewatch that, or is that otherwise the uh, on uh, the tip of your? I, I watched. It. I rewatched it last night. Oh, great! Okay, Brian, what what did you think about it? I I like it. I wouldn't call it like a, a horror show per se, but it, mm -hmm. it is creepy throughout. I mean, when those those Cardassians wake up out of stasis and you know start stalking them throughout the ship, and the, the you know the the station is dark the entire time, and then. It, it definitely has a certain creepy element to it. Not necessarily a horror element, but definitely a creepy element to it. Well, I think it gets a little more horror when when Andy Robinson as Garrick starts to get yeah. nutty. When and Garrick with that psychotropic drug that he absorbs, yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, Andy Robinson was well known for playing, uh, what, I can't remember what the role is called, but he was in uh, the first Dirty Harry as yeah, like, the serial right. killer yes. in that. So you put that together and you're like, yeah, this is kind of creepy. <laughs> kind of messed up. I, I also, I like how like a lot of rage comes out of Garrick where he, he, it starts off and he's like, I'm being treated like Starfleet's favorite Cardassian, but I'm a killer. Right. right. And these people like me and it's weird that they like me. Mm. And so when some of that stuff starts to, to bubble out, um, you it feels like it's more than just he's being mind controlled or whatever. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. inhibitions have been lowered a little there. Like now he's saying some stuff he's thought about. And it's set up earlier in the episode when they're on the runabout and they're and he's like giving O'Brien a hard time about his service yeah. and killing mm-hmm. Cardassians and so on. Oh yeah. He's mm-hmm. uh I think gaslighting is the term that yes. he's used for that now. Yep. It's a good episode. You know, I, the, the thing that I took away from it last night is something I, I often take away when I'm watching several episodes of DS9. And this has nothing to do with like horror or anything. It's just how ridiculously deep a bench that show had because... Oh, my goodness. Yes. They just, yes. like, you, you could just basically pluck two or three of the characters out, ditch everybody for the entire episode, and have a, an excellent hour of television. That's the only yeah. Star Trek show that can do that. <laughs> Um, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's so beloved. And I think it's something also that's symptomatic of it being on a space station is if it's stationary, yes. you can develop more of a community. Yes, absolutely. 100%. It's a Western town. That's what it is, basically. Yeah, that's how mm-hmm. that's how uh, Rick Berman explained his concept for the show yeah. is a new sheriff and his boy roll into town. Yeah, I mean, it's, <laughs> a, it's another logical extension of the whole wagon train to the stars thing. Yep, very much so. But yeah, I always love that about the show. Like, they, they, you know, you, you how long, how quickly, Cisco has what, 30 seconds in the episode? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. then Worf, and, and they all just, they're in it for like a minute or two. Yep. It's not their episode. No, <laughs> but it, but like, it's great. I mean, they, they, it was like, they had elements of that in like TNG, but like, you know, like Patrick Stewart might be written light in a particular episode, but for the most part, you know, you always had if if it wasn't a Picard episode, then it was a Data episode or Worf. Yeah, episode. pretty much. I mean, those yep. two cover most of it, I think. Yeah, yep. but, but like <laughs> show by the movie. This show, it yeah. feels like you could pluck anybody out and give them a, send them on an adventure, and the show will absolutely work. Totally it is it is the deepest. And they do it is that the deepest often, cast. Like I've and I felt this for a long time. It is the deepest cast of all the Star Trek cast. Oh, no question. And the thing is, it's not even close as to what would get the silver medal. In terms of oh yeah, of I don't even cast. know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. In terms of having yeah. so many supporting characters, because the only main character who's who's part of the action is is Miles. And then Garrick and Nog are both recurring characters. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Beautifully done. Well, I think, and just just before we move on from Empak Noor, um, I think one thing that they they play on heavily that works for me is um you know this idea of the the, a space that you're used to that's not quite the same like the sort of parallel world feeling yes yes so it's like this idea if you guys heard of the idea of liminal spaces Hmm. it's this idea of when you're in a place typically when you're when you're there at an unusual time or during an unusual event um like uh like an empty train station at night or a school during summer break, um, like sometimes, or, or when, a hotel when there's no one else there. When there's no one there, exactly. It's like your brain knows what how that space usually feels, and it looks the same. But but because it's not being used in that way that your brain has like put it in that box, mm-hmm. it feels like it's like a weird, like shifted reality. Yes, yes, uh, I, yeah. I totally agree mm-hmm. with that. Yep. So I think they play with that well. Yes, they do. Yeah, it's dark the entire time. Half the time you forget you're on. Essentially, another version of DS9, and it's a little bit off kilter. Exactly. Know? Yeah, the camera yeah. angles are different. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's beautifully done. 
Also, the Bolian, the first time you see him, he just screams red shirt. Like, oh, yeah. Not sure. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, you he think does. maybe some of the others will make it, but that guy, you know, he's going to be the first to go. Uh, why'd they have to kill the Bolian? I like Bolians. Yeah, me they, too. That, they did have a habit of, of making Bolians kind of the, the red shirts. They did. Way, they yeah. totally did. In, in Voyager and Deep Space Nine, you know? Oh, well. I like those blue dudes. Maybe because they were blue. You know, red, blue. Like, yep. You know. Yep. You look like, <laughs> you look like Smurfs. We're getting rid of you. <laughs> Kill you. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Except for Mott. We, Mott the barber is still somewhere happily working, we know. That's true. Oh, that's Do right. Do you know they, that? Yeah. That's in, right. in, oh, in yeah. yeah well. he's, got, he's got a franchise or whatever. He's got a franchise, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully it's him and it wasn't like, you know, his his grandkids took advantage of him and took the family name and Or maybe he sold the rights to his name. Yeah. Or, maybe or he may- sold the rights to his name, yeah. Or yeah. maybe because they're two different actors play Mott on Star Trek. Maybe Mott is like a cast. It's the name of the beautician cast in Bullion Society. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> His name was never Mott. Barbershop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. His name was Dave this whole time. Exactly. Yeah. Dave Mott. Dave Mott. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, <laughs> why does everybody keep calling me that? It's like people Call whose last. It's like people whose last name is like Shoemaker. Yes. Sure. Yes. Sure. He comes from a like, long line on, dude, of mops. Make me some shoes. <laughs> we we also they they do make a return to Empok Nor. We should mention it, but it's not a, a scary episode at all. It's no, a very lighthearted episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And they Which somehow managed to get all the lights back on. Not too long ago on the shuttle yep. pod, right? Which we yep. did. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. What was that? What were we talking about in that episode? It's the magnificent Frangie. But yep. what uh, was the subject of our podcast? Pretty sure it was comedy. Oh, it was um, it was our um, was our like comfort food episodes. comfort food yeah. episodes. There yes, yes, yes. Yeah, was. episodes that we want to watch when we're feeling happy. So it's like the yes. opposite of this show. Well, not necessarily because I don't watch this stuff to feel sad. But if you want to feel scared or creepy, you come to this this episode of the podcast. Yes. And if you're looking for the anti Halloween, maybe check out our podcast from a few weeks ago. <laughs> Good <laughs> right. idea. Yeah. Good idea. And if you're looking for ideas for Halloween, I think. Michael McKean's clown from The Thaw would be a great non-traditional oh. scary clown. Oh, it would. That'd do. be a Dude. heck of a cosplay. First Have you guys all... ever seen anyone do that? Dress up no, as him? No, no. It wouldn't be hard. His no, makeup is relatively He'd simple. creep the hell out of everybody, though. <laughs> Well, it doesn't oh, doesn't he have yeah. like a isn't he has like um like a jumpsuity thing? Isn't it kind of furry? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like I a weird it's like texture. Fuzzy gray. Like fuzzy, yeah. yeah. Texture, so it might yeah. be hard to find that. Maybe you and, get like a dog know, costume in color gray. <laughs> Cut the ears off. Or, or just a Unabomber's hoodie. Just get one of those. <laughs> God, that's even creepier. <laughs> I, th- I think some kind of gray Is that, should, onesie would work, you know? Should I not be Googling Unabomber hoodie? No, please Probably don't. not. No, you're not. The FBI will show up at your door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. It it would be contemporary to Voyager to make a reference to the Unabomber, though. It would, yeah. So I I uh, think the thaw is one of the very best episodes of Voyager. It's super memorable. It's super creepy. It's very different, but it still feels like it fits in terms of uh, 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 the Star Trek milieu. It's not too mm-hmm. far out there. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. like a stunt like Cat Spot, if I can say that. And yeah. and I I it's. I think the best kind of Star Trek is is one where the crew can solve things with their technology, 
but what's constrained is the ethics of the situation. And so they have to use their brain power to figure things out, right? Because mm -hmm. if they wanted to, they can just beam Harry and Bellana out of there and then they can leave and say, count their blessings and go home, right? But instead they say, we need to rescue these people. So we need to figure out how to outwit this guy. He's in the situation where he could where he could kill them. And the solution they come up with at the end is great. It's mm -hmm. it's it's such terrific use of Janeway and, and the doctor to outmaneuver this guy. Yep. I also I have to say, I love Spinal Tap. I appreciate that they didn't make any cute little nods to Spinal Tap in this, though. That would have been so inappropriate. Don't yeah. you think? Actually, don't you yeah. think? Yeah. yeah. If they'd made some joke about, oh, the drummer always dies or something, that that we would yeah. it would have been corny. <laughs> yeah, it would have been. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I'm a big Spinal Tap fan. No, I, I probably would. Well, yeah, I mean, Spinal Tap is great, but it just doesn't seem right. No, no, yeah. of course not. It would be very quite jarring. That episode is super disturbing. So yeah, it would, mm -hmm. it would be really take you out of it. Yeah, yeah very, I would never. If you told me Michael McKean was going to play like a, just a vile character like that and be effective doing it, I would have laughed in your face. Never, yeah. never. He's so Squid, he's yeah. so good in it. What was he Lenny or Squiggy? He was Lenny, right? On Laverne and Shirley. I don't know. He was Mr. Yeah. Green on Clue. Yeah, I mean, he was. Yeah, he's been, yeah. he's been around forever. Yeah. He's been around since the seventies. He's been in everything. He was on Saturday Night Live for a while. He's a talented, talented yeah, guy. Yeah, he's on everything. He was recently he... in Good Omens, the the, the Neil Gaiman. Thing. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh, I didn't was. know that. Yep. Yeah. No, he's he's very versatile. He's very versatile, as you can he's see. Also he's also like... a gifted musician too. Yep. Um, he uh, uh he's huh. he um is married to Annette O'Toole, and yep. after nine yep. eleven, like they needed to get across country, but they couldn't take a plane, so they drove. And that's when they wrote like most of the songs for the Christopher Guest movie "A Mighty Wind," was just oh, in the no part of it. Oh no that's way! Awesome. It's, it's the best movie. of those Christopher Guest movies. Yeah, it's oh, very yeah, good. it's best good. Show actually might might win personally, but that's another podcast. That's right? another thing. Yeah, the other okay. There's a couple other great moments that I love in the Thaw. There's this one where they're at the staff meeting, and Neelix offers a stupid advice, and everyone else in the room just looks at him like. What are you, an idiot? <laughs> Which yeah. is what we were all thinking all the time with this character that could have been interesting, but was just doomed by the the makeup design, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. There's also in that same meeting, um, Tuvok and Janeway talk about how fear is the most primordial uh, uh, emotion there is, and it reminded me. Remember, we talked about in. Um, uh, it was in Discovery where someone said, fear is illogical. And when we did our review of that episode, we said, no, it isn't. It's the most logical thing in the world. Like if yeah. you're afraid, okay. if, if if an antelope is afraid of being eaten by a lion and runs away and he lives, that's the best thing you could have done all day. Yep. Right. Self-preservation. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I yeah. was, I, I like that. That's a, a nice little scene for a couple of reasons. Anyway, what else do you guys think about this episode? I think you hit all the the high points. It's a it's like like you said, it's creepy as hell. It's a fantastic episode, and it's goofy. So I don't know if we mentioned this already, but we um we talked about this episode at length in one of our best of the weird podcasts we mm -hmm. from a we ways did. back. Mm -hmm. Was that a couple of years ago now? Um, yeah, I think so. But that's Two that's actually that's one of my favorite podcasts we've done. I would recommend if people want to hear more about the thought, definitely check that out. Um. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, it's like it it fell into the best of the weird category because it's so bizarre. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. If, and if you just read the description of it, it's like a maniacal clown kidnaps members of the Voyager crew. Like that sounds stupid, but it works <laughs> really yeah. well. It, it's also at this point, the idea of the scary clown is a cliche inside a cliche inside someone rolling his eyes. Right. Um, yeah. But at the time it was still a little more clever to do it. He also looks very different, right? He doesn't look like he, they're trying well, to do the Joker. Right. Not well, or it, you know, sure. Yeah. Right. Right. He's not easily the gone it, in, in territory. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I th- thankfully by making him like an alien clown, then he's like some alien culture's idea of a clown. Yeah. Which means he's not, the stereotypical you know right yeah good point which helps i think so i'm not sure i think jared it was you that mentioned the other episode that we have on this list oh yeah um meld i felt compelled to mention that because it has brad Dourif in it who is Mm. probably most of his money probably comes from the child's play franchise which (laughs) i you think so right i mean i agree yeah i've never i've never seen it but i think that's what um kind of cemented him that's, that's uh, what he was known for yeah he was known for being in other things he was, in, he was in one floor over the cuckoo's nest with with um kai kai win reese fletcher yeah yeah oh. I mean, he's, he's been around forever yeah but i mean he often does creepy messed up yeah yeah because he's so good at it he's also yeah. he plays a case for well he's in an episode of babylon 5 again to refer to that where he plays basically the same character where he's he's super creepy again but this is terrific i love this episode not just because of his contribution but because i really like tuvok he's always been my favorite voyager character and i would love to see the two of them at a convention talk about this episode i think that would be a lot of fun that would be yeah Yeah. tuvok really gets to um tim russ gets to stretch a little bit in this episode and really push tuvok beyond where we ever get to see him i i I'm surprised to hear you say he's your favorite character because I always found him a bit flat. Um, but oh, I absolutely episode... love him. I see. I love his sense of humor. Right? There's one episode uh, where yeah, Janeway sure. have I don't know if I've probably said this already. Where Janeway is like super pissed off at everyone for not not doing their jobs on time and for bad morale and all these kind of things and wastes too much time in the holodeck. And Tuvok says, "Shall I have them flogged as well, Captain?" And yeah. it's his <laughs> way of great. just kind of saying, "You know, maybe you should go a little easy on these people." Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. That's good. He has his moments. Um, but I really enjoyed him in this episode in particular because you yeah, get to see great. him break out of that shell a little bit. Yeah. Also, Suter go when he's in the bridge, he goes off on Tuvok in a way that I can't believe it took them a year and a half of the show to do. Because remember, and I've complained about this two or three times now, Tuvok was undercover, lying to every Maquis member's faces to get them thrown in jail while they were trying to save their homelands from evil space Nazi lizards, right? Every Maquis (laughs) on that ship should hate Tuvok's guts, right? Yeah. And Suter is the first one who finally calls him out on it. Yeah. Yeah, leave it to Suter, who's both a little unhinged and a Betazoid and a a bunch of other things. Like, a little unhinged? (laughs) (laughs) Well, when he's when he's containing himself, he's just a little unhinged. When he's not containing himself very well, <laughs> it was like he literally murdered a dude for looking at him the wrong way. That's right. That's when he's not doing so well. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I hear that guy. Was I think it's really for interesting it. that. <laughs> yeah, he was Sorry. looking at him real funny. Sorry. You know? like, Sorry. <laughs> well, I, I actually really like that he's. It's also, I think, really cool and extra creepy that he's a Betazoid, right? Because it's it's like here's what goes wrong when you're telepathic. Right? Yeah, because being telepathic could be really messed up, like an overwhelming. 
right? Like, so well, his thing is he's 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 like a betazoid autistic, if I can say kind that, of, yeah. where yeah. he can't sense anyone's emotions. He's not even aware of his own emotions, right? Yeah, right. and so right. it's like it's like the it's like the exact opposite of like what you should expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it makes him like a sociopath because mm-hmm. of it, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. I liked in this episode how they dive in a bit to the moral quandary of. You know what do we do with someone like this? Someone who's oh sure, yeah, who's yeah, dangerous, yeah. and there may be a path towards rehabilitation, but at the same time, you know, do we hold in high regard this idea of quote unquote justice, whereas the person should be punished? Like if you, you know, so so Tuvok is making this argument with Janeway um, mm-hmm. on you know what should be done with him, and Janeway's like, well, we'll maybe we'll lock him in his quarters, and and Tuvok thinks that's not enough, and he he says, you know, I think the 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 three sisters of the guy who died might wouldn't find that satisfactory yeah. so it was, it was just interesting to yeah. watch them play on this line of like you know what you know is, is there a punishment that's acceptable or is it all about rehabilitation I, I, I did find it a little bit I was a little bit disappointed in the line where where Tuvok says in this conversation with Janeway you know if we were back on earth they'd put him in jail they put him in prison and um it's, would they now it doesn't seem like it it seems like he belongs in a in a proper like mental rehabilitation yes totally thing. like why yeah. is prison still a thing well and it's weird because it's not really like we know that tom you know tom Paris was basically hanging out on a like up oh, slap on the wrist naughty boys like farm in new zealand <laughs> right but it's not really you it's know, like a penal because, colony. Yeah, yes. it's not yeah. really the same thing. And it's weird, actually, that they would so, do that. So I, I looked at that from the perspective of if you have unlimited resources, you have the luxury to say, oh, we can rehabilitate these small these the small number of bad actors in our society. But yeah. but in Voyager, where they have very, very limited resources, he's saying, Okay, you have like 150 other people here who are so desperate for replicator rations that Tom Paris is able to swindle them out of it on them on the holodeck. Are you going to waste resources on this guy? No, so I, I, thought it, I thought it was in, in that perspective. Well, and I like that, that that's how they tackle the conversation in terms of what to do with him now, but it was more of the statement of if we were back on earth, they, they would put him in prison. That particular line is, you know, was a little disturbing to me, I guess it just doesn't jive with what I know about the Trek universe. No, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. That's that's I well didn't think about that. But, yeah. but by the same token, you wouldn't put a guy who murders people for looking at them the wrong way in a situation where they could murder a second person for oh, looking at yeah, them no, the wrong way. No, you, this you is don't. True. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely don't. So, so the difference between a prison and a mental hospital, where he would be in a straitjacket, is kind of splitting hairs. Well, I disagree because I don't think that in in the 24th century, in a, in, a, in the world that that Gene Roddenberry painted for us, you know, in this this rosy picture of the future, we don't put people in straitjackets. We have right. empathy for people who can't control their emotions. Okay. And yeah, it's well, you know, it's like both and, you know, of these I mean, men are I mean, are victims. Even in TOS, they went they went a little too far sometimes and got kind of almost hokey or a little too extreme. But there was this idea that people were actually like people with these kinds of serious like mental issues like we're we're rehabilitated mm-hmm. like we're actively worked on you know being worked with and worked on you could say um rehabilitation colonies they refer to right unfortunately times. in uh, dagger of the mind yeah dagger of the mind well and then yeah and oh, that's somewhat of an unfortunate 
And then, example. unfortunately, the two examples we have were like these extremely messed up like, versions of it. Gone wrong. But, yeah. But the idea is that, like, I mean, McCoy even says, like, you know, what they've done to advance treatment of this kind of stuff in the last, you know, whatever few years has been, you know, very amazing and very progressive. And it's not what you, you know, it's not what the 20th century thinks of, you know, as a, as a prison or as a, you know, loony bin kind of thing. That's not what it is. You mm-hmm. know, it's not. And they straight up say it. So if that's true in the 23rd century, like you're saying, Kayla, especially with, you know, you know, <laughs> visionary gene here, like in the seventies and the eighties, like that's definitely not what they would do. In the L- like we know they've already eliminated despair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Yeah, you guys, just no despair, okay? No more despair or sadness or hunger. So so those Grief. people that he killed, they're not they're not despaired over, you know, their no, loved they, one. No, Matt, they eliminated it. You're not allowed to be sad. <laughs> yeah, you're not allowed so, to. So it doesn't yeah. matter if Suter kills again cuz it would be even more <laughs> against a lot to be sad it. about it. Exactly. <laughs> just accept it as a thing. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was a bit of a digression. <laughs> anyway, back, back to bone-chilling horror. So the final um, episode we want to talk about is an Enterprise episode. And Matt, this is one that you mentioned, and I'm so glad that you did, because I went and rewatched it today, and this was a great pick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's the quintessential, like, <laughs> zombie movie uh, homage, to down to the point where at a certain point they literally filmed it uh cranked down a little and so everything the image lurches and stuff because they purposely filmed it low frame rate and everything it's <laughs> i didn't know that is this? it's called impulse and it's part of season three in the middle of the mm-hmm. zindi arc mm-hmm. for enterprise and this is when they start to figure out that when they're going into the delphic expanse that's the crazy area that's the spill book sphere builders are like you know changing space over to be compatible for their life um it doesn't agree so well with other people right (laughs) that this space is weird filled with anomalies because of it they figure out that oh what the locals do is they line their hull with a substance called trellium d and conveniently (laughs) for the plot it turns out that actually that's not good for Vulcans to be exposed to, like, at all. <laughs> um, Which, their exposure... oh, weirdly, like, Flock seems to just know that offhand. Yeah, I don't know how. He very or quickly figures that out. I don't know how he He's knows. He's just like, oh, yeah. no, I can't believe they're doing this. Like, that's, uh, like, poisonous, toxic to Vulcans. I'm like, how did the Vulcans not know this if Flock knew it? Well, that's the thing. Like, in theory, it's this unique substance that's hanging out in this region of space. So no one knew about it before. Sure. They had, they had to ask a local, like, how they isolated their ship from you know the anomalies and so they're you know they're searching for trillium d and then of course get this like vulcan distress call and are a little surprised that the vulcans sent a distress call and it's from a ship that went in there before enterprise could get there and they were looking around and um it didn't go well (laughs) because it's like a deadly neurotoxin that you know kind of change you know starts messing with your centers of judgment eventually just turns you into pretty much a, a zombie like well so. and then very similar <laughs> um lockstep with meld that we were just talking about um the trillium d i guess breaks down the parts of the vulcan brain that that allow vulcans yeah. to be in control of their emotions mm. right, right right so they just start going you know it's like vulcans who are you know they have those deep deep 
emotions and deep, deep kind of things that when uncontrolled, you know, go crazy, get let loose. So between that and the fact that they don't have any brain, you know, brain control anymore, they're pretty much zombies. Oh, also it like melts your face. Just by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Might For some reason dumb. they all they all also look like zombies. <laughs> yeah. And one of them even <laughs> scratches Archer at the beginning. Oh yeah. And this is before like they've revealed what the problem is. And it's like, oh my god, he got scratched. He's gonna be next. <laughs> so it's totally like I mean, they know it. It's like an unabashed homage to zombie movies. Um not written by Braga, even though this is his show, but so he's the showrunner. So it's so obviously like another thing in the long line of Braga's, you know, love for horror and mm. zombie movies specifically, because lest we forget what's, what's, you know, what's this era's number one kind of top grossing movie. First contact. First contact. And what is that? And uh, what is that? That's basically a zombie. It's a zombie. Space zombies, yeah. 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 Written by Braga, more in Braga. So, uh, it's got a lot of the whole, you know, you could tell Braga was the showrunner <laughs> kind of things, but it's great. It's just a lot of, it's just fun. You know, it's doesn't, you shouldn't probably look at it too closely about all this stuff, but it's, it's fun. It's shot like a, a horror movie, uh, like a, kind of like a sixties low budget zombie movie. Mm-hmm. It's basically what they're going for. And it, and that's what they got. It's fun though. Well, I don't remember this episode at all, so I need to rewatch it. So do I. It's been a long time since I've seen that. It's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Um, it, there's some really great looking like eye candy special effects with uh, outside of the practical zombie stuff. Like, but when they get there, there's some cool, very cool because they're in the middle of like an asteroid field. So the, they have there's some very cool you know space stuff. There's some really cool um, scenes of them trying to navigate. Uh, in a shuttle pod over to this ship and you know just there's a lot of good you know they, they threw you can see they threw everything at it you know it's not cool it's not uh they're not phoning it in they really did try mm-hmm. for something fun and different which after hundreds of hours of tv you have to do which is something that, well, because we mentioned his name so many times something that Bronan Braga did really well he was willing to take risks and yes. maybe all of them didn't pay yeah. off, but a lot of them did, and at least he was in there trying. Yep. Yeah, the, the, the problem with, with working in high concept as much as Braga liked to is that when you miss, you really miss. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sub Rosa. Sub Rosa, threshold. Yeah, but like, but more often than not, I thought he he brought a lot to the table. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I as Kella, we were when we recorded the other night, we were discussing this. We, we, at some point we should probably try to do a, a, a show about Braga. I think that's a good idea. It's kind of yeah. un, unappreciated. Underappreciated, I should say. Yeah. All right. Well, is that it? I think we should mention the discovery one too. We can give it a quick mention. Discovery doesn't have anything super horry except this, for that. Yeah. There is that one. Right, so. Context is for Kings. This is what the third episode, I think, of, yeah. the, of the series, and season one. People are pretzelified. <laughs> yeah, so the, it's kind of pretty gory in a sense. This episode is legitimately a horror episode. I remember yeah. watching it and being like, "Wow, this is dark." Yeah, and, and this- then before we realize who who and what Ripper really is, 
Ripper's also in this in the dark, stalking people and goring people mm-hmm. as well. So yeah, it's a kind of a weird standalone episode in the middle of a serialized season. Mm-hmm. It is, mm-hmm. but potentially worth a rewatch if you want to feel spooky. This oh month. yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's oh, it definitely has its scares in it. No question. Absolutely. And it's and gory. Let us we forget. There's the shushing Klingon in it. That part's crazy. Oh yeah, I forgot about the shushing Klingon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and they're like, "Did he just shush us?" Like, exactly. Like, excuse me. And then the Gorski dies because because <laughs> it's a horror <laughs> episode. Yeah. That's yeah. Well, it's also really funny because like there's this great when we wrote this up in an article back in 2018 for sort of for Halloween. There's a there's a press shot of like Tilly, Burnham, Stamets, and then some you know meathead guy, and it's like, huh, which one of us isn't gonna make it out alive? Well, the meathead who's not a main character, you know, <laughs> right? It's like, yeah, the bye. red shirt. <laughs> yeah, he's a red shirt. So, yeah. But it is it's it's pretty cool. It's pretty weird. It it tries to tell you how exper- It tries to demonstrate how experimental and potentially dangerous the spore drive is you mm-hmm. know with all this um and then that's kind of quickly forgotten but it is neat and actually kind of creepy and concerning you know that like oh this is it could go really badly <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, interesting choice to make though early in the series like that normally you don't yeah. see stuff like that early on no, you don't. Especially because it's so different tonally from the rest of the show. Yeah. Yep. Well, as we know, especially Discovery Season 1 couldn't quite make up its mind about its tone. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. Yep. Well, I think all of these selections were really good. And again, we'll just stress this is in no way an exhaustive list. Sort of ones that we cherry-picked that we thought would be great examples to talk about different aspects of the franchise as a whole. And in mm-hmm. my opinion, all of these would make a great movie night yes. for Halloween. Most definitely. Oh, yeah. Just throw mm. a bunch of these on. Yep. So, yeah, you know, as always, leave us uh, comments in the in the comments section of TrekMovie.com on this article and let us know what you thought. Um, if there are particular episodes that stand out to you that you're like, oh, my God, I can't believe they didn't mention this one. Um, let us know. Uh, maybe we can We can grow the ultimate halloween star trek playlist right and as <laughs> always next it. next halloween we can always do this again next year that's <laughs> true yeah good point also let us know if you were stuck in a haunted house which member of the starfleet slash star trek universe would you want there with you is this a magical <laughs> haunted house like you can't get yeah, out you can't is. just get out on your own uh, hmm. probably not. We'll say it's more magical. Okay, like it's not like you're not like at the at like a fair. All right, it's like an actually haunted house. No, it, you're you are full on haunted house. Okay, it may as well be the mm-hmm. Overlook Hotel. All right. <laughs> oh boy. I would pick Guinan because I think she would be the calmest under pressure. Also, she apparently has because she stars. has that huge gun from Night Terrors. Yeah, yeah, she does. Huge gun. And she has that huge gun. So you have, she's calm. She's superpowers. She uh, uh, has a big gun, and, and she has heavy she has organ organ years of experience. How to use it? Yeah. Hmm. I'd I'd be with that guy who killed all the husnuck. 
<laughs> well, yeah, because he could basically uh, just like imagine you out of there. He could kill everyone else. Kevin, Ox, us. Kevin Oxbridge. Yeah. Yes. But his aim was pretty bad, so you might get caught in his <laughs> in his, in his collateral damage. Uh-oh. It's true. Uh, well, you know, good, deep cut there, Kayla. Deep I, I like cut. It, though. I like pull it. out the Kevin Oxbridge. Yeah. So the the actor who plays him also plays um, MacGyver's dad in MacGyver. Interesting. And every, uh, interesting. every time he comes on screen, because as as you probably all know, I've been rewatching MacGyver. Every time he comes on screen, I'm just over there like I killed all the Husnuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I think he's, when I see he's him. He's in so much stuff. He's been in stuff since the 60s. He is in a lot of yeah. stuff, actually. Oh, yeah. He's, he's, in, he's in a couple yeah. Twilight Zone episodes, yeah. too. Oh, he's in yeah. A couple Twilight oh, yeah. Zones, yeah. To yeah. me, he will always be the I killed all the Husnuck guys. Well, that's yeah. it. As soon as you hear him, that's all I can hear him say, too. I'm like, oh, yep, there he is. Okay, and in, in the uh, in the Star Trek custom advisable card game, sort of their Magic the Gathering in the 90s, the Kevin Uxbridge card was the best card. What? Makes sense. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite powerful. So yeah. seeing my pick was really good. Yeah, and the only way you could counter him was with the Amanda Rogers card. Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. All right, so Matt and Brian, I got to hear your picks. So, so mine, I think I have decided pretty much without without a doubt is Janeway. Oh. She don't take no shit, That's and true. she has been in the you could say haunted house a few times of the Borg Queen, mm. and doesn't care, doesn't phase her. So I think. She would be a great pick. Oh, and she stared down the clown in in, in the thaw, right? Yeah, she did. So she she sort of faced fear itself, so to speak. So I think she'd be a great choice to have. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. I would pick Data. Ah, yes, that's good. Data would not be the least bit phased about any of it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, pick the guy who can't get scared. Yeah, mm. he can't get scared at all. He doesn't understand yeah. fear. Nothing. So. Well, it would be it would be bad if the ghosts knew how to like activate his emotions chip. <laughs> if they well, did, then it, that could be a problem. Because then he'd yeah. just be a cowering idiot in the corner, and you'd yeah, have to true. drag him out of there. Just pick data from you know season six or before. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah you I'm didn't thinking, say when. Yeah, I'm, yeah that's I'm right. Thinking, yeah. I'm thinking TNG era data. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Or the other option would be just go in with a bunch of red shirts because then you know you'd get out. <laughs> right. Right. Send them in ahead of you. Yeah, like, bunch, of, you bunch of cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Those poor bastards. Poor guys. Hmm. Well, I think that's about it, right? Well, that was yes, the perfect good. way to end the podcast. Yes, that's indeed. Great, Very good. Okay, All right, thanks, guys. Everybody. Well, we hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Have a great Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Bye-bye.